Am I on? Hello? Hello? Is it working? Kind of? Oh, there it goes. Okay. Well, Pastor Chuck is out today, and so he gave me the privilege of coming to you today and giving you the word. So I wanted to... Austin kind of told us already that we're starting a new series. It's going to be a four-week series. The first one's going to be about the mission statement of the church, experiencing God's love, extending God's love. Then we're going to go through three different messages about three of the different core values that we have. So we're going to talk about glory, grace, and go, but all of them in light of the bigger theme for the year being about how do we gather well together. So the last series through Romans was specifically helping us to gather well as a body of Christ. So as I start my message trying to figure out where to start with how do I rightly share the mission statement for the church to the body of Christ. Um, I asked if I could give this analogy. So Ryan Getz, about a month and a half ago or so, told uh, her testimony in the middle school youth group. She did a great job. She talked about going to church as a little kid. She said something that, what's the right word? bumfuzzled me. When she was talking, she said she went to church and she loved going to church. That was not my experience as a child. When I went to church, I was the guy who hid in the balcony. We had pews in our balcony and I carved my initials into those pews. I was that kid. Back in the day, this is going to tell you how old I am, um, I had a new technology video game device called a Game Boy. (laughs) And I brought the original Game Boy to church with me. I hid it in my pocket or in wherever I could hide it from my dad because he didn't think that was a good idea for church. I wonder if you would agree with my dad. Um, I would take it and hide up there and I would play my Game Boy all church long. I got really good at Mario Kart because of church. But I did not like church as a kid. Church was hard for me. I didn't understand why I had to get up so early to go to church. I didn't understand the point of being at church. So I wanted to start our message today with why do we go to church? And I thought that might not be as good. Maybe why do we come to this church? I mean, there's a thousand churches in Des Moines, right? You could have picked any church to go to this morning, and you chose Westchester. Why did you pick Westchester? And I thought this might have, be a hard conversation to have with 200 people. So I thought, maybe I'll ask me the question, why did I come to church this morning? Or why do I come to Westchester? And Bob, no, it's not because I get paid. Bob likes to uh, rub that in when we play pickleball together. He's like, well, you have to come here. You get paid. I'm like, Bob. Okay, so the reasons I come to church. One, the number one reason I come to church is fellowship. I truly feel in this room there are people who I can share who I am with. I get to experience God with you. 
I get to be with you through good times in my life and through bad times. When I'm exhausted, you lift me up. When I'm having a great day and I'm high as a kite, not literally, um, <laughs> I am just loving life. That's a better way to say that. I want to share that with you. I want to be a part of your lives so that when you rejoice, I get to rejoice. And when you grieve, I get to support you. I get to love you. That's why I come here. That's one reason. Uh, accountability is another reason. I don't know about you, but in my spiritual life, I've had a lot of people who have walked away from God. In the last, I've been a believer for 23 years now. I've had former pastors. I've had former mentors. I've had friends. I've had people when I was a navigator at UNI. I had student leaders, people I looked up to. Within years to follow, they walked completely away from God. I'm like, why is that a reason to come to church? Because I believe at this church, there are people here who will hear my sins, who will not judge me, but will help me. And they will want to help me grow as a follower of Jesus. Because that's my desires. I want to become more like Jesus, and I need people to help me because I'm a sinner. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. That's my heart. That's how I experience life, is I struggle against the sin that wants to kill me. So there are people in this church. I'll name a few, but I won't name all of you. Uh, when I struggle, or if I'm having a bad day, I show up and Paul Erickson is at pickleball and he walks up to me and he says, what up, pup? And I'm like, how young do you think I am? <laughs> but Paul is always ready to listen. He's always willing to help. And usually if I need someone to kick me, to get me going, Paul's the guy I want to go to because he'll do it in a way that'll make me smile. Steve Hall is a guy who will listen. I'll call him, or actually I'll text him, but then he's a little older than me and he's not here, so I can talk about him like this. Um, <laughs> he, I will text him and he will call me back. Be like, oh, this sounded like more than a text conversation. I'm like, all I needed was a yes or a no, Steve, but he, want, he picks up the phone every time. And I'm like, okay, Steve. But he is willing to talk things out every single time. We do ministry together in outreach realms of the church, and he's great just to listen and help me. Um, if you go into the office very often during the week, um, you're going to see one of the staples in our office is Austin in his office. He's there, he's faithful, and if you come around enough, you're probably going to see me showing up in his office sitting on his couch. I do that more than I probably should, but I really like him. And so he has been a brother to me. Coming into the church a year ago, I didn't know anybody here. I didn't know who I could trust. I didn't know who I would like. And I walk in, and there's a brother sitting right there. I believe that there are people in this church, if you don't feel like you have accountability right now, I believe there are people in this church who want to stand with you. That's one reason why I chose Westchester as my church. Uh, another reason I like church now, I like to sing songs. I know that doesn't sound very masculine in the world's eyes, but when I sing to God in my car, I have fun. When I sing songs with all of you, I hear a chorus of people screaming or 
singing is probably the right word here, singing <laughs> to God, and we sound like we're one. Maybe. Some of us maybe don't really hit the note, right? But most of us are hitting that one note, and we sing as one to our God as, as, as a body. And I think that's a picture of heaven. And so every time I come to church and we have those moments where it's like, God, you're here. You're with us. You're, we're singing to you as one, thinking the same of one accord. In those moments, I'm like, wow, this is where I want to be. There's nowhere else in that moment that I'd want to be anywhere else in this world is standing before the throne of God with all of you. I wrote a bunch of other lines. When I fall, I need someone to help me up. When I run, I need people to chase me. When I am so exhausted that it seems impossible to live this life, the body comes and carries me along. When I need reminding that there is a God and how much he loves me, I come to church and hear how others, are, God is using them, and that energizes me to go back out into the world and share his love with others. I have received so much. My desire is to give back to you. So, our mission statement is to experience God's love and to extend God's love. We're going to start, we're going to have two passages this morning. I'm going to try to go really quick. Um, I'm not really good at going quick, so <laughs> forgive me. So turn your Bibles to Romans 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, I still hear, I hear pages, so I'll wait. Okay, that's enough. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, does not put us to shame. Forgive me, I memorized it in a different translation. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So if you want to experience God's love in your life, this, this passage tells us three things. One, you must be justified by faith. Verse one, do you see it there? Must be justified by faith. If you are here and you have not given your life to Jesus, I'm going to come down to be with you. If you are here and you have not given your life to Jesus, you have not been justified. You stand under the condemnation of breaking God's law and his wrath, his anger, resides on you. The first step of any follower of Jesus is to throw themselves at the mercy of Jesus. When he was crucified, his life was sacrificed for yours. You deserve death and hell. And Jesus says, I love you so much that I will come and I will take your place. I will bear the weight of eternal damnation. 
And he did that on the cross. The Father sent all of his wrath onto Jesus when he died on that cross. What did Jesus do when he died? He paid your penalty. He forgave your debt. He justified you. What does justified mean? It's a legal term. It means made right. You are made whole again. You had an infinite debt that you could not repay. And he says, you're righteous. How? How does he do that? He says, by the faith that you have in me. Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, he can forgive your sins. And he can make you perfect in God's eyes. The second thing that this text tells me about how to experience God's love is you will have peace. This world is awful in so many ways. But in it, you may have peace. When Jesus died on the cross, he purchased all the grace that would ever be extended to you. He purchased by his blood every moment of peace you have. Who do you have peace with? You have peace with God. You are no longer at war with God. And he's given you the power by the Holy Spirit to fight a war against your flesh. So in that fight, you have peace with God. What does peace mean? That's a weird word. We think not at war, at war. If you're not at war, you're at peace. Kind of. I want to take that word to the next level for you. Peace meaning shalom. Have you heard that word? Peace is when all is right. All is okay. You have rest for your souls. So in a world that is chaos, in God's presence, we can stand and be completely okay. His grace covers all of your sins. His, the knowledge of who he is covers all of any occurrence, any cause and effect relationship because we know that God is sovereign and he's in control of all things. Under this knowledge, we're good. We're okay. God has forgiven you and he loves you. This should allow you to go, the work that I've been trying to do to earn my salvation, the work that I've tried to do to please others, right now, in the presence of God, because of the work of Jesus, because of the faith you have in him, you are okay. You can be at peace. He loves you more than you can comprehend. I hope that this morning you experience that love. A lot of times in our church, we're a very smart church. We like to think really deeply about things. This morning, I want you to feel really deeply how much your God loves you. He doesn't see you as an awful, pathetic loser. He sees you as his son Jesus, washed by him, he sees you as perfect. He sees you as his child. What more does he want from you? Rest in his arms. The third thing is in verse 5 of Romans 5. I'm going to read the whole verse back. 
And our hope does not disappoint or does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God. In our Protestant churches, we don't always talk about the Spirit of God. We don't talk about the third person of the Trinity, probably because we're scared that we're not sure what he's going to do and we lose control. Here he talks about the Holy Spirit. What, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in this passage? He pours the love of God all the way into your heart. When the moment you are saved, the Spirit is in you. It erupts in faith. He gives you peace. And you feel love. I can test, give testimony to this verse being true because the moment I came to faith, I was an atheist. <laughs> The moment I prayed the prayer to become a follower of Jesus, the only two things I knew after I said amen was God was real and he loved me. So the criticalness of our mission statement, experience God's love, that's not the fluffy like, oh, I love you feel. This is what is critical to our being. We need our connection to our God. We need that connection. We need to feel it because the feeling is what also is going to propel us into good works, propel us into being who God wants us to be. For the Christians in the room, I want to say that the church is the gathering of Christians that I get to be a part of seeing love come from you to me and my family. I interpret that not as you are a great guy or gal. I interpret your love as God's love for me. That's one way I experience it. I talked about singing. That moment you get lost in his presence. When you sing, does anybody experience this? I don't, we don't usually raise our hands here, I know. But you experience that feeling like, yes, I am with you, God. I am in your presence. I love you. I don't want to leave here. Please don't stop singing. Please keep going. I don't want to leave this place. You felt that? I want that. I come here. I want you to experience that. I want you to sense his presence so tangibly that you cannot, other than stand and be, be moved, whatever, um, you are in the presence of God. You are in the presence of God when you go out in your car and when you drive home. But here, it's special. Not because this building is sanctified in some way, but because these people are sanctified in some way. They are set apart to worship God. Another thing that I want to tell you is when people serve each other, when their felt needs come up, this is another way I experience God's love in this building. Again, when Steve Hall or Guy Kidney call me and say that they have the absolute right tool to fix the problem of whatever I'm dealing with at that moment, that seems simple. That seems meaningless. But yet, I am really stupid when it comes to tools. I don't even know what tools to use. But they show up in my life and they say, this is the tool you need to accomplish what you want. And they give it to me. And I find that is an amazing moment where I say, God, you do love me. 
I don't know how he meets you and your inadequacies. Maybe you're a tool guy or gal. Uh, maybe there's other things that you experience in your life. Maybe it's through Bible study. That's great. Maybe it's how you give back to the community that you're living in. Maybe you sense God in nature because you see God created all this and it's so vast. I'm not sure what it is for you. I wanted to share a few of the things from me. If you're here today and you are not feeling the connection to God, I've talked to many of you and I know many of you have this. If you're not experiencing God's love, I want to challenge you with a few things. Are you reading your Bible? I know that sounds obvious. I know that sounds like something like, well, I know that's what we're supposed to do, but it is the bedrock of our discipleship here. You reading your Bible, reading the Word of God, and letting that wash over you. If you're not doing that and you're not feeling connected to God, if you walked in my office and you told me that, I would tell you one thing. Go read your Bible. Go read your Bible every day, and I bet you, you will start to feel his presence. You will start feeling connected to God, and you will start feeling connected to your brothers and sisters more. Another thing that I would say is, are you praying? Prayer can be weird. I'm talking to an invisible being. I know it's hard. What's the point of prayer? It's to connect you to God. Does God know everything you're going to say before you say it? Absolutely. So what's the point? It's so that you can receive from him, so you can be transformed by him, so you can feel his love in your life. So if you're not experiencing a connectedness to God, my first two questions, are you in your Bible? Are you praying? They're very simple. It's almost overlooked because it's so simple. But that's the power. That's where the power comes for our faith. The last one that I would bring up is, are you serving someone else? So it's read the Bible and prayer. And are you serving somewhere? Do you serve other people or do you serve yourself? You're, you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit with spiritual gifts that are supposed to be used for the common good of the body, to build up the body of Christ. If you're not doing anything... I'm not surprised you're not feeling connected. It's just a hard reality. You won't feel connected to God if you're not doing what he tells you to do. So, today the call is experience God's love by being in the word, by praying, and by serving other people. Maybe you don't know where to serve. Come talk to me. I would love it. If I'm full and I don't have any ideas left for you, Pastor Austin has some other ideas, I'm sure, but come talk to me first. I would love to get you implanted into one of the thousand things that people do in this church. Okay, bad transition, but so this is the experiencing God part. As we transition now to the second half of our mission statement, extending God's love, I want you to turn, we're flipping out a, Romans, we're going to go to John 15, verses 9 through 17. 
I love that sound. Morgan, we got to help you find the Bible page. I'm waiting for Morgan to get done. I'm saying that's a good barometer of where we're at. Okay, he's there. John 15, verses 9. (laughs) That's what you get when you sit in the front row. (laughs) As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. If we experience God's love, or as John says, abide in his love, then what should you do with it? Well, I want you to lock in on verse 17. Is it still there? No, go back. Kyle's so good at this. Okay, see that last, that last verse there? I'm going to read it again. These things I, have command, I command you so that you will love one another. I'm going to dig into this verse just a little bit for you. There are two verbs in this verse. I command and will love. When I studied this passage, I found it quite strange that neither one of these were actually commands. In the Greek, they're called imperatives. Things that the Bible, God, John, are telling you you must do. Neither one of them are. Even the word I command you is not a command. It's just an indicative, which is a normal verb. The second one, will love, is a subjunctive. Anybody here know what a subjunctive is? That's what I thought. Uh, A subjunctive is usually used when it's like a may or a might. I might do this, or he may go to the store later. It might happen. It's a possibility verb. But in this context of the whole passage, what I have seen is that it's an if-then statement, and if you abide in his love, then you will, as they've translated here, you will love one another. So they're not saying it's a possibility that you will love one another if you abide in his love. They're saying if you abide in his love, if you experience the love of God, then you will absolutely love one another. So if you want to love one another, abide in his love. We are called in Scripture to love as God loves. So who does God love? He loves his son, Jesus. He loves those who have given their lives to Jesus and have faith in him. 
He loves those who are created by God, who were elected before the foundation of the world, but have yet to believe in him. And he loves the world. These are the four statements I see in Scripture about who does God love. In the same way, we are to love. We are to unconditionally love all who God calls us to. When we gather together as a body, we get to know God more so that we can love others better. What does it look like to love one another? Well, who's our best example? Sunday school answer, Jesus. John 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. How do we love one another? How did Jesus love? He poured out his life. He gave up his life. He sacrificed his life for his friends. I hope here you find friends. Not just hang out with friends, but give up your life, friends. What do you value as a follower of Jesus? Those whom Jesus has called. Love them. Give up your life for them. Jesus said, pour out your life as a drink offering. That's what he wanted. Pour out your life. Give it completely away and love people. That's what we're supposed to do. How many of us think we do that well? That's what I thought too. We've, a lot, we've got a lot of work to do. We need to abide in his love. We need to experience the love of God. And we need to get better at being a conduit of that love because it's not meant to stay with us. It's meant to pass through us into the world. trying to figure out how to end and do an application for you. Michelle and Will, would you come up here? This is unorthodox, but so am I, so that works. These two, so Michelle is our children's ministry director, if you're new here, and Will is our, oh, coming over here, nice, I love it. Will is our new student ministries pastor. They have a lot of things starting very soon in their ministry. Both of them are kicking off another year, his first year. They have needs in their ministry. The one thing that they have a lot of are people. They have little people, maybe not so little people as well over here. They are the people that I want you to talk to after this service. I want you to engage with them. See their ministry. Know what they're doing. And ask, how can I help? How can I serve as a Sunday school teacher? How can I serve in a family night during Kids Quest? The second week of, second Wednesday of the month, every month during the school year, we have an event, and all of you could come and help. She needs help. Usually, there's only a few of us, right? I can help. Nathan just volunteered. Take Nathan's example. There we go. Come up and talk to Michelle later. You don't have to, all the kids are going to want to help, so they don't have to do it, but they want to serve. That's great. Will is launching a whole new ministry. Yes, he's taking on what's already been happening, 
But Will is going to launch us into a new era for youth ministry in our church. Uh, I've got the blessing of being a part of the middle school youth group as we waited for Will to get here. It was fun. I was the old guy in the room. How many of you think of me as the pup? (laughs) If you see me as young, you're going to feel great in the middle school youth group. You're going to feel great helping with the high schoolers. There's going to be trips that Will's going to have. I know some of you older people have really um, struggled to sleep through the night. He's got opportunities for you that you don't even have to try. (laughs) So as we conclude our message for this morning, what I want to do is I want to pray for these two and their work, but even more so, I want to pray for you that you will want to support them. Would you pray with me? Father, you love us. You have saved many of us from our sins. God, I would pray that you would save all of us, that everyone in this room would come to know and experience your love in such a way that it would transform everything about them. Use this talk. Use your word. Use the people in this room to to lead others, lead our friends to your son Jesus and his cross. Father, as we look to extend your love to others, some of the most important people in our church are under 18 years old. They are the future of the church for us. God, I pray that you would bless these two servants, that you would allow them to continue your good work of experiencing and extending the love that you have. I pray that you would allow all of us to come alongside them, that we do not pay them to come here, but we pay them to lead us so that we could equip the body. God, I pray that you would use them, teach them, give them vision, give them wisdom, give them passion for the work that you've given them to do. Thank you for them. I pray that you would bless them now in the name and power of Jesus. We love you.